All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. We we are back after a rather sizable layoff. Um, beat writers, I guess, get vacations too. Ben and I were off. Uh, Producer Patrick was off as um, the Lions ramped up training camp this week. Um, but Ben, we are back in Allen Park physically in this moment in Allen Park. We just watched, um, what is it, their third padded practice yeah. of the summer, and I felt it in my bones. Oh man, I know. Today was the day that felt like football was back. Like you felt you felt it the first two days, but today was like a long practice and there I mean, hits, man, hits. The sound of shoulder pads and the intensity was at an absolute high out here today. Yeah, we'll get to it in a bit too, but I was standing like fifteen feet from CJ Gardner Johnson coming down and listen, like even when they put the pads on, there's a certain level of like like no one's trying to hurt each other out there. Like they, they, there's a a line between being physical and intense, which is what they want, without going over the line to something maybe more dangerous. And I'm saying like 15 feet away, and Gardner Johnson's coming down and just blows the you-know-what yeah. up uh, for um, Jameer Gibbs. And you felt it in your bones, man. Absolutely, yeah. Gibbs running a route of the backfield, just eyes locked on the quarterback, <laughs> just eyes locked. And I think I think it was Colton Pouncey was like, uh-oh. And all of a sudden, the second that ball got there, just an absolute explosion. I mean, clean hit, but, like, my goodness, he hit that man like he was an opponent on a Sunday afternoon for sure. We're we're going to get to our, our five standouts here through the first week of Lions training camp. Um, but, but, Ben, I'm curious if you just have any overarching thoughts about – what you've seen so far. I, I I know that just being out there, like I I think this is my eleventh training camp in Allen Park. I, I'm I'm getting to be kind of an old man here. But I have to say, like, I, I don't remember seeing this much depth ever on the roster. I, I feel like that's not hyperbole. Like, of course you've always got some stars up top and we're gonna get some get to some of those guys in a few. But like even some of these second and third team reps, I mean you got there's some real talent and I think they're gonna have some really hard decisions to make as it comes down to, um, you know, cut day in a month. Yeah. No, this is only my fifth year, only my fifth year. So I've definitely never seen depth like this out here for sure, but no, you're exactly right. And you're seeing the battles for the back of the, I mean, they have so many receivers now and especially without, with Tom Kennedy out with the injury, it's like, that's going to be really interesting. I mean, they're interestingly deep at receiver with some unknown names, the linebacker rotation, who's going to take that final tight end spot. It's just like, We've been talking about these tough decisions I had for Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes for like since this podcast launched. They're here. These tough decisions are here. They're going to be made in four weeks. And it's just, I mean, the defensive backs. I mean, there are, I mean, there's tough decisions basically at every group on the back end or the front line. And it's just, you see it. This is the best roster that I've ever seen out here. And I mean, like I said, it's my fifth season. It's been a, you know, what show since I started on this beat, but it's noticeably, you feel it. You absolutely feel it. I mean, you got yeah, we'll get into our list, but it's just like even the guys that you expect to be rock solid have gotten better. You also feel it in the in the stands. Oh, yeah. I, again, I've been doing this 11 years. Like I'm used to seeing a big crowd on opening day when they let the people in and then it gets sparse. And it's weird because I've been to training camps, uh, you know, joint practices the Lions have participated in uh, in Pittsburgh and in Indianapolis, uh, in Oakland when the Raiders played there. Uh, I'm probably missing a, a joint or two um, that they participated in, in in Houston, and they have these huge ass crowds. And then in Detroit, they have the first day maybe 1,500, 2,000 fans. And after that, I mean, there have been days where there have been a couple hundred fans out there, even though these things are free. And I've, it, you know, it's something I've never really understood 
because it's an NFL team is an opportunity to see them for free up close and personal, yeah. watch them practice. Uh, I think it'd be a cool opportunity. And yet you know, they've really struggled to draw to training camp. And Ben, I, I haven't, I don't know if I've seen an empty seat <laughs> through, uh, what are we at now? Two or three open practices that they've had. Um, the energy is high, you know, like they're, they're even cheering for Sheila Hamp the other day, the owner, like she got, she got booed at halftime during a Kelvin Johnson ceremony. I think it was just last year. Right. And, and she went by on a, a golf cart the other day and she was getting, you know, serenaded by <laughs> by chance of Sheila, Sheila. It, it's just a different day in Detroit and you can feel the excitement and the, obviously the expectations that people have for this team going into a season mm-hmm. where they'll be favored to win the NFC North. No, like you said, I mean, it was 2,500 clean. I feel like the first day I was told. And then today, today was a Monday morning practice, a Monday morning practice and just like field. I mean, these the screams of Aiden Hutchinson, they would see like his face, like peek out as we're talking to Marvin Jones after practice. And it's just the screams. I literally had to borrow somebody else's audio because the fan screams were too loud on my cell phone recording, but no, it's real out here. And I mean, I had a friend trying to get out here and he was showing me he was number 4,700 in line for free training camp tickets. So it's, it's real. I mean, people have been asking, how's it feel? It feels freaking real. (laughs) I I heard the first roar from the crowd today about, I want to say 90 seconds into practice, <laughs> they were warming up. They're, like nothing real was happening on the field. Uh, they had like four receivers running routes at the same time, and they'd have four guys throw them footballs. And Amon Ross St. Brown, who we're going to get to in just a moment. Surprise, surprise. He's one, he's one of the five, <laughs> the five stars of camp so far. But Amon Ross St. Brown did a route uh, across the back of the end zone, and the ball was high. And he skies for it spears it with one hand. I can't remember if it was the right or left hand, but he spears it with one hand, comes down and just holds the ball there in one arm. I mean, just a spectacular play. That guy, that guy's crazy. Ben, that may be a natural segue. That's a natural, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, it's, a, it's called a veteran move, Ben. Veteran move. So we're going to get to five, five, you know, standouts from the first week of camp. We're, I think, eight days in now, but... Um, uh, I'm on Ross and Brown for me, for you, for everyone that's been out here, um, headlines that list. He was so good as a rookie. He was better last year. All the numbers were better. He became not only Jared Goff's favorite target by far, uh, most reliable target by far, but he was one of the best third down receivers in the game. I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I probably should have looked it up, but uh, he's like second, third, fourth in the league. Uh, in terms of guys who move the chains on third down. I mean, he's just an automatic first down. Um, and anyone watching these games knows that. Having said that, he has been freaking better in this camp. He has hit a different gear. Um, I've seen greatness on this field before. I covered Calvin Johnson, and they're very different players. You know, Amon Ra is not the physical domination kind of guy that Calvin was. Uh, but Amon Ra catches everything and i mean that up until today mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. you know he he won every single one on one uh in the first days of practice up until today that streak ended on a rep against um i think it was cam Sutton. i could be mistaken but um and it was a terrible throw he had to go up for it with one hand and still almost oh and there's a penalty on the play there's a defensive pass interference uh, and still almost made the play with one hand um He's just been, frankly, unbelievable. And honestly, it's like you you wonder, like, how's this guy get better? Like, how does he keep getting better? Is there another level to his game? Yeah, there's another freaking level to this guy's game. I mean, seriously, I, he doesn't get 
I mean, he's getting his roses from the national media, but he's not getting them enough because I think because he's a shorter, not a vertical go outside and go get it outside receiver, at least until what we saw a couple of days ago. I mean, there was a day a couple of days ago he was playing outside a lot and he was just going up contested catch after contested catch in the back of the end zone downfield. I mean, the Lions posted this clip, uh, I think it was Saturday or Sunday on their social media account, but it was just it was a ball that he thought was coming over his right shoulder downfield. And he switches at the last second. I mean, he's doing absolutely everything. And with JMO out for those six games, not a true tall vertical outside wide receiver, he's going to be asked to do that. Like when DJ was out last season. So seeing him kind of dominate those reps, like no matter who's guarding him is like, he's added another layer to his game. I mean, he's got to go up and get it situation. He's not going to be a D hop or an Odell type, go up and get it guy with that natural hype. But I mean, he just keeps getting better. I mean, when he made that leaping catch today, you literally turned around and said, did you see that? And I was like, I thought that was Denzel Mims at first, man. Just like unbelievable. I mean, he has really added a little like even like a different style to his game, I would say even. And it's just, yeah, he, and, he looks real. And Mims is like a half a foot taller than him. So it's yeah. really saying something when you make that, that comparison. It, I, I think it's worth noting, Ben, that the secondary is so much better. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm so careful of like making big proclamations at yeah. this point in camp that are, they, you know, you're, they have a way of turning out not correct. <laughs> um, training camp can be deceiving. So I'm, I'm careful, but like, I think it is safe to say that the secondary is much better this year mm-hmm. and they they've invested heavily in it. Uh, they brought in Cam Sutton, they brought in Emmanuel Mosley, who we haven't seen yet, but Jerry Jacobs is repping at that spot playing well. Uh, on the back line, we see Kirby Joseph back there playing very, very well. Tracy Walker, CJ Gardner-Johnson, who has been maybe the best addition of them all this this summer. Um, and we'll get to him in a moment. Surprise, surprise. You know, he's on this list too. Um, but uh, it that, that group is playing pretty well by and large. Like they have been making some very nice plays. Even the rookie Brian Branch is, is impressing. So like for me, Ben, that's the impressive thing that – that Amon Ra is taking that secondary that's so vastly improved and is giving problems to other guys and lighting it on fire. And I mean that almost literally sometimes, you know, it was a couple of days ago, they were doing a red zone period and there was 10 plays run by the offense throughout the red zone plays. He scored six touchdowns on 10 plays. Like that's basically unguardable. I I was asking Tracy Walker and some of the other DBs about it. And they actually got a little snippy after practice (laughs) because it's like, like he he had confounded them that badly. Um, I I don't know how many footballs he's going to catch this year, but I'm taking the over. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever the over under is, I'm taking the over because he's so good and, and, and not just good, but he has the trust of Jared Goff. They both, you know, they both have off seasons in California. They threw a lot this off season. They just have such a natural chemistry and Amon Ra, St. Brown, catches everything. He does not drop the football um, and has developed a lot of trust with Goff. And I think in those problem situations, those third down situations, Amon Ra is going to be the guy. I did see him put the football on the ground once today. Then he he dropped it as a third down, actually, to hit him right in the hands, dropped it. I, I don't remember the last time yeah. I saw that from Amon Ra, St. Brown. And I watched him go to the sideline, and he was so pissed over this one drop. Like, no one was even going near him. And he took a knee on his right knee. And I'm telling you, he sat on that knee, not moving, chewing on the side of his mouth guard, slamming his helmet into the ground while the second team did all of its reps. And then the third team did all of its reps. And then special teams. He probably didn't move for 10 minutes. And he was at some point all by himself on the sideline because everyone else had moved to a different part of the practice field. And St. Brown is still taking that knee in that same spot on the sideline near us. 
in the media because he was so pissed about one drop. <laughs> I mean, nobody was around him. He was alone. I mean, this the level of intensity of that guy, I mean, that's probably like the first or second mistake he's made in eight freaking days against, like you said, yeah. a much better, much feistier defense. And it's just, man, he is such a rock for this team. I mean, he's he's part of that foundation. He he's fun to watch. He'll be fun to watch this fall. Again, I'm taking the over on everything. <laughs> so if you're yeah. like fantasy football drafts, yeah. take Amon Ra. Like you know, he he is just he's killing it. Uh, he looks really good. Uh, and I think his abs have grown abs. By the way, like, oh my god, rocked up on um, the jugs machine. I mean, it looks like God. I mean, it's I, listen. I'm not trying to sound too weird, but I watch a lot of professional wrestling, so I'm going to power through it. But it's like packs are popping, like to a crazy degree. Every catch he makes. I mean, this guy. God, he's terrifying. <laughs> We're like 10 minutes into our return from summer break and already getting weird. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Uh, ben, um, we've talked about Amon Ra next on the list, I, I think, and sticking with the offense uh, in terms of the best players that we've seen, the standouts in Lions camp. Panay Sewell. God, I, I actually looked it up to see, to make sure I wasn't misremembering. He's 22 years old. He's 22. He's a two-year starter in the NFL, entering his third year as a starter, was one of the best right tackles in the league as a rookie, was a pro bowler last year. He caught a big third down pass. Like He is probably the best moving offensive tackle in the league. I'm really curious to see how they um, yeah. deploy that this year uh, in the Ben Johnson offense. But what have you seen from Panay so far in camp? Just kind of on that St. Brown level of just coming back and just like you you look out there and he's impossible to miss. And that's kind of hard for offensive and defensive linemen to do in these early days of camp practices. I mean, like you said, this was the third day of pads, I believe, second or third day of pads. And I mean, gosh, those uh, those those one on one matchups with Hutchinson are just Mm -hmm. absolute popcorn worthy. And I mean, Hutchinson got him on the first one, but then the second one was just an absolute stalemate of just like two Titans clashing. And it's just like there's just three guys. And I've said this with a couple of people. It's like St. Brown, Hutchinson, Sewell. Those are the three rocks. As long as those three guys here are here, this team will be okay. I feel like I mean, that's how good Sewell has looked. I mean, a right tackle in training camp. I mean, the way he moves, he just. 20 did you say 23 years old or 22 no, he's, years no, he's 22 that's, that's he turns 23 in october that's just it's just unbelievable and he's so much level-headed and he just uh, i just i mean hearing dan campbell talk about him the other day i mean the love is real i mean this was the first pick of this regime and they just he embodies everything they want this franchise to be about and i mean it's easy to talk about St. Brown's work ethic, but I see Sewell too he doesn't take plays off every time he's out there it's go time and he's he's just a different kind of monster what a what a draft, huh? Oh my god! For Brad Holmes right out of the gate taking you know Penny Sewell with the, his first ever pick, getting yeah. <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown on, on day three, yeah. and those guys are monsters and among the best players at their positions. Amon Ross doing it as a guy who, like you said before, you know not that big, not that fast, but does everything else right, and it has turned into a you know he's on the brink of stardom because of it. Mm-hmm. Penny's different because he has the size, he has the speed, he has everything that you need as an offensive tackle to be. Not just great, but elite. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say he's in the that that, that you know the the short running for all pro at, at offensive tackle. He's unbelievable. I enjoy watching him play. I enjoy watching him play as much as I've ever liked watching an offensive lineman play. Mm-hmm. And it's because he does all the basic things, the essentials, well. But then he does so much more for you too in terms of the the mobility yeah. and seeing him kick out. I mean, he kicked out. You know, he's in concussion protocol right now and not practicing. But he was out there for the first day of pads on on um, on Saturday and just watching him kick out. 
uh, into the open yeah. field and laying hits. I mean, there's arguably nobody in the game who does it better at that position than he does. And it's just for a team that wants to run the football, um, you know, he's a great pass protector. Um, you know, you, you got to be able to pass in today's NFL, but the Lions want to run the football. They want to establish that. And they did that last year. A lot of hopes on the ground this year too, with Jameer Gibbs in the fold, David Montgomery, all five yeah. offensive linemen back. And I mean, the offensive line has really been the star of camp. I would say so far as a unit, you know, that the, they, uh, when they went to one-on-ones the other day, they would, went across the starting five offensive line versus defensive line and the offensive line just kicked their ass yeah. all five um, reps, but Pinay against Hutch. I mean, Pinay was incredible. Yeah. And then they went again, Hutch got him. And you're going to see that sometimes with a, a good pass yeah. rusher, like, like Hutchinson, but Pinay has got as well as anyone and having him and Taylor Decker on the, on the bookends with a, a center like Frank Ragnall, one of the best centers in the league, get a former pro bowl yeah. left guard, better competition than ever. Right guard with, uh, Graham Glasgow in the fold and uh, Vitae back. Um, there's just so much to like about that unit up front. But like, even with all that experience, Ben, and all that talent back, I still think Panay is turning into the on-field leader of that unit. Dan Campbell talked a little bit about that this week. Um, so let's get to, to Dan Campbell um, talking Panay Sewell. You know, there's, a, there's a reason why he was the first pick we had two years ago because we, we wanted to build around a guy like him. You know, he's, he's our foundation, man. He's something else. He's a man on a mission. You know, I feel like we're a team on a mission, but he is a man on a mission. And you talk about being wired right, um, a guy that comes in every day, puts in the work. He's got so much ability, but he's got the right attitude, too. And I think that's what makes him dangerous uh, if you're the opponent. So he's he's right where he needs to be, um, and if he loses, it, it bothers him bad, and that's what you want, you know. You want a guy who believes that there's no way he should lose any rep, no matter who he's playing. And, and uh, so he's shown up, he's in shape, he's, he's lean, he's mean, and I'm glad he's ours. Uh, yeah, that's some big talk from Dan, I, but it's hard to disagree with, with his assessment there of the, the offensive tackle. No, it really is, and, like, just – Everything he says about Panay, you see on the field, like it's not even blowing smoke up. Like it's it, that's what he is. That's what he is. And I mean, I just see Ben Johnson's going to have that multifaceted attack. Having someone like Panay Sewell, who might, who might already, if he's like not in the conversation to be the best polling blocker slash screen blocker in the game, the way he gets out in front of those running backs, whether as a polling blocker or pulling out for a screen, I mean, that is a weapon. That is just get behind him and try and keep up, and he's going to take you far. Like, I mean, he's he, he looks ready to roll. I mean, what another – I mean, just gosh. I mean, what a gift he was for this team to kind of start this rebuild with. Let's move to the uh, defensive side of the ball for for a moment. Um, I think the early days of camp was dominated by the offense. We mentioned that with Haman Ra. There's a day where Jerry Goff didn't put the ball on the ground until his final yeah. three passes of the day. But Ben, in recent days, the defense has really uh, struck back with force, with violence. I've been really impressed with what I've seen. The, the pass rush has, has come alive. Um, but I don't know if anybody maybe on defense has, has impressed me more than C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And that is saying something because he's only been out there for, I think, two days of, of hitting, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he, mm -hmm. you know, he missed a stretch there with a, a leg injury that looked scary initially, but he came back rather quickly from. He's he's fine. He's already back out there practicing. And, you know, we're, we're recording this on, on Monday after practice. And uh, 
Whatever. It was an, it was a violent practice, and no, perhaps nobody was more violent than Cedric Gardner Johnson. Nobody was louder than that guy. And that's a big reason they brought him yeah. in too. Is it's not just the play, and the play is really really good, and I think that precedes him at this point uh, and, and his reputation in the league. But it's 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 the edge. It's oh, the like I mean he's just he's a pro- provocateur <laughs> on the field. He really is, and you know it amps up the defense. Obviously, when he makes a big play, a bone crushing hit like we already talked about on Jimmy Gibbs along the sideline. Ben stand like ten feet away, all startled. I was terrified. <laughs> I, I saw, I saw the look in your eye. I saw the look in your eye. But then it's like it's not just the defense. He's he's getting up. It's the offense too. He's getting under the skin. He's like I think he. Stri- I honestly believe Ben. He strikes fear in players on the field unlike anyone else because they know he's coming and he's they're going to hear about it too. No, absolutely. I mean, I I watched our colleague Justin Rogers walk up to him as he was coming off the field today and it was about to be a one-on-one session and CJ just starts screaming, you practice like you play. And just, <laughs> and just like, yeah. I mean, he is, oh my God, he just doesn't stop. I mean, some of the diving, I mean, he just dives. If he sees the ball and thinks he has a 1% chance of getting that thing, he is going all out for it. I mean, Seven days ago, we were watching this guy get carted off the field and consoled by the team captains, and it was like, oh, my God, what just happened here one day into camp? But he's already back, and he made our list of the five camp standouts already. I mean, he flies around the field, and like you said, he is making these guys better, and he's he's the perfect guy to have kind of in front of a Brian Branch type to show him the way, show him that nickelback, versatile role, and just kind of, I mean he is this defense i mean he he said it himself he's like the flu i mean his 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 it's been contagious it's been yeah. absolutely contagious and he has kind of brought what we saw as the ceiling of what he could bring to this defense already it's early but the personality the intensity and the plays he's making i mean it's there you see it this is the guy that we kind of thought that they were getting yeah he mentioned the flu thing during a pretty wild media session <laughs> um like there are, this is a good team with a lot of good players. Like there's not a lot of like animosity or bad vibes or anything um, between reporters and players. I have a lot of good relationships out there, but he's just a wild, a wild card. Uh, he's a, he's a wild man. And he went behind the mics and it was fairly contentious, even though like everyone's like, you know, like singing his praises. And you ask him a single question about the injury, which looked catac- cataclysmic at first. And he's like, next question, next comment. God, God. Um, he just, he, dude, he's just living in a different like planet. And that's what the lines brought in. Like, I, I heard some people complaining and, oh, he's being rude. I mean, listen, like, like, this is a violent game. You need violent players. And that is what he is. He brings teeth, he brings sand that they've been looking for. I mean, I, I don't mean this as a negative, but like, maybe a little bit, but like, like there's a lot, there's a lot of nice guys on this team, mm-hmm. and ultimately you just need to play football really well, and a lot of these nice guys do. But there's a value in this violent game to have guys with violent intentions, and that is C.J. Yeah. Garner Johnson. And I think, just as a reporter talking to him after a, a practice, I got a sense of that in that exchange. I mean, there, there's just no off switch. Like he's at, he's dialed up to eleven, no matter the question. Um, maybe we can run just a little bit of the audio. Like yeah. I, I like that flu quote too, you know, but let's just take a listen to Gardner Johnson from his media session the other day. Just talk about being back at practice and how fun that was today. I never missed practice. I was out there every day. But taking part in walkthroughs and drills. I'm being part of practice every day. Sure. I'm mentally in practice. I don't think you understand what type of guy you got here. I ain't miss nothing. I miss a practice. I ain't miss a rep. I'm still out there. My teammates still see me. One thing people got to understand, this game of football, 
sometimes it ain't about being the best physically. Sometimes you gotta be the best mentally. So as long as my teammates know I'm there out there helping and coaching, I don't really care about what you said about be back at Is there a difference between physical reps and mental reps? Yes, yes. It so is. I mean, get those physical reps then. Well, I mean, that's, that's gotta I be mean, great. Physical reps, you've seen it. You know, I don't have to keep talking about how physical talented I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the lead. So you keep saying I'm missing practice. I ain't missing not a beat. Next question. How supportive was your teammates for you though when you went down? How did, how did they come? How did they come? Yeah, so I told them don't hang their head. I'm still in the building. I'm here at 6 o'clock every day. I'm going to beat you in the building regardless of I'm hurt or not hurt. And I think that's the level, the standard that I was raised up in with Dan and AG before they got here. So I think that's the need to stay there. No matter what we have. So... They took it as somebody needs to step up. And the whole team stepped up. How important is it for you to be a guy that's still out here every day? You're it's important. Sideline. It's very important because I'm, I'm contagious. I'm like the flu. I'm like the flu. It's going to go through your body. You go, it's either you get it you don't get it. And that's not because cocky. It's not because. No, because I, I'm confident in my job. I'm confident with my coaches and my my teammates and my trainers and my strength guys are doing for me and teaching me. So I think that's why. Yeah, I was standing like four feet away, uh, <laughs> a little terrified. Not gonna lie. I was talking to Will Harris and I just kept hearing God. And I was just like, what is happening over my shoulder right now? Like this, uh, I mean, it, it has been infectious. And I think yep. he's been a really great influence for those young guys i mean not just brian branch and rookies but like kirby joseph man that's someone mm -hmm. who feeds off of that he's feeding off of tracy and cj for sure and i uh, you need that you need that back there you want to remake yeah. your defense you do it with guys like that we talked a lot about what he brings um in terms of the intangibles and that is very very real you can feel it already even just a few days into camp but just real quickly like like in terms of what he actually brings in a football sense you've also already seen that too you know he uh, is probably going to play a lot of slot cornerback for them this year, which is a massive upgrade over Will Harris from last year and the gaggle of guys that were trotted out there at that position, which is very important in today's NFL. Um, but then also uh, on Monday, you know, just, you know, the, today's practice as we record this, um, he played mostly a safety alongside Kirby Joseph. And I love Tracy Walker as much as the next guy. He's a really good leader, a really solid player. He's going to bring a lot to you in the back end. He's, he's a plus player to have out there. But having C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who just led the league in interceptions, alongside Kirby Joseph, who as a rookie who wasn't yeah. even supposed to play safety until the, the Tracy Walker injury last year, and wound up leading the Lions in interceptions, having those guys on the back line, there's a whole different level of ball hawking going on. Mm -hmm. And there's, a, I think, a lot to like about the positional versatility with Gardner-Johnson being able to play all over the secondary uh, at a high degree. Um but then also the, the the ball hawking, the ability to generate takeaways, which is something that has at times eluded this team. No, and they're absolutely going to have to move him back there. And I mean, Tracy's going to have to come off the field some for that because Brian Brian Branch is going to get reps. I mean, they're they've got pieces to play around with, and like you just laid it out perfectly, Kirby and CJ are are your ball hawking guys. You've added good cornerbacks who can kind of hope you handle guys on an island that gives those guys more chances to make aggressive plays and stuff like that. I mean, you got to feel good about what Glenn, Bly, and Duker are going to get to play with back there. I mean, they've got some actual interchangeable depth in the defensive backfield. I mean, that is, I, I, I've, like you said, I mean, shoot, what was it? Three years ago, they made Justin Coleman the highest paid nickelback in league history. I mean, it's an important spot. And the guy who was starting is likely third fiddle at that spot right now. I mean, this is real improvement. I mean, it's just CJ. I mean, 
two gold stars, all the gold stars for him so far. I can't believe you just reminded me of that signing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's too early to date for that, man. Oh, my goodness, yeah. There, those were some different times for sure. I, like we said at the top, man, the, the level of talent we're seeing out there top to bottom is just different these days. And the comparison just made the nickel from that dude to Gardner Johnson, one of the best in the game. I mean, it's um, you feel it out there. Um, sticking with the defense, let's let's get to a, another guy that's been a big standout for us. And listen, we're going with a defensive lineman right now. There's been better defensive linemen, I think, in camp. Aiden Hutchinson, stronger than ever, making a lot of plays in the backfield. Mm-hmm. We've seen sacks from Josh Pascal, from a, a newly trimmed out uh, Aline McNeil, who's like 22 pounds lighter. Um, there's a lot to like up front right now. But we want to take the chance to, to spotlight Broderick Martin, uh, rookie, third-round pick. Um, he's a mountain of a man. You, If you come out to Allen Park, you go to a game this 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 year uh, at Ford Field, you're not going to miss him. He's the yeah. tallest mother effort out there um you know because of that he plays a little high that was all over the tape too you know he played at, at north alabama western kentucky i mean there's a reason why this guy wasn't expected to be taken until the the uh, until day three yeah uh, even he expected that he was setting up his draft party on, on day two for day three when he got the call from the lions and he had to like run down a bunch of stories at, at the hotel to tell his mother uh, they had just been drafted on day two it kind of surprised everyone there in the third round um, but they love what they saw in tape. Uh, big, strong guy. I mean, just has the phys- physical traits you can't teach, and they think they can teach everything else. And Ben, they're, they they wasted no time rolling him out there um, with the ones uh, on the first day of, of padded work. And the very first play, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, you, you heard the play more than anything else where Broderick Martin is, is blowing up uh, David Montgomery in the, back, uh, in the backfield. And then I, I, I couldn't see who he beat. There was a lot of traffic uh, on the interior. And I look up at the video monitor, which is on like a six, seven second delay. Um, so I could see the replay. And I look up and he is just tossing Frank Ragnow. All pro center, Frank Ragnow. <laughs> and he's just tossing him. And I, I don't want anyone to get like the wrong idea. I'm not saying Broderick Martin is going to be an all pro defensive mm-hmm. tackle. You got to set expectations for these guys. And, and and the Lions are doing a good job of that. Re- you know, just stressing repeatedly. He needs better um Better pad level, you know, his technique needs a lot of work before he's kind of, you know, the kind of consistent player that you need up front. But Ben, there's a reason they're putting a rookie third round pick out there with the ones right now. They want to see what this guy can do because this guy has something inside him that you can't teach. Size, physicality, uh, explosiveness off the ball. And that play provides a snapshot, I think, of what this guy can do. Yeah, he's really showing kind of like just a natural ability against the run, even playing high. Like, I mean, that Ragnow play, that was unbelievable. And it was like a similar reaction. Like, I got to run down there. Who did he just beat? That was the first play of freaking practice. Yep. He had another one today. Or he didn't throw somebody out of the way, but it was just like he pushed two. I didn't see who it was either, but two offensive linemen right into each other, cut underneath them and made the stop on David Montgomery, like right at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he is if you run into that man as a ball carrier, you're not getting past him. I mean, he, he is, there is something there. And like you said, he's, he's the size of a door frame. I mean, he is a tall, <laughs> wide man. And like, I I've loved what I've seen out of John Scott, the new defensive line coach. I mean, every chance he gets to pull that kid aside and talk to him, he's right there talking to him. You see Kelvin Shepard even talking to him a little. I mean, that's kind of the new configuration there. John Scott and Kelvin Shepard kind of working hand in hand. Scott's the DL. Shep's doing stuff with the pass rush. So they're kind of working together. You just see so much work being put into this kid, and you're already seeing light bulb flashes. And the more light bulb flashes that you can get out of 
you can't teach that size. You can't teach that width. You can't teach that strength. And I think there's, there's a really natural ability against the run there. And that is why you're seeing McNeil play three technique more focus on rushing the passer a little more. I mean, he's still going to be counted on to stop the run, but the Broderick Martin arrow keeps pointing out, they're going to be able to play exactly how they want to play defense. Yeah. And I think you make a great point there, Ben, because listen, this defense has not been good for a number of years. Uh, it turned it up last mm-hmm. year, but the overall numbers were not good. And that's been true for a number of years now. Um, and while there have been struggles everywhere, I think the interior of the defensive line has been a, a consistent sore spot for the defense. And that makes everything else harder for everyone else. I think we we finger point at the linebackers quite a bit. But linebackers struggle when there's bad, sloppy, muddy play in front of them. That's a truism across football and has been true in Detroit where um, there's been some disappointments on the interior. Um from free agent disasters to failed draft picks. Um, more recently, you know, Levi Anzarike was drafted in the second round to be the interior pass rusher. He's played like five minutes since he got to the NFL because of back issues. You know, he's back out there now, but you know, there's other guys who are rising up now who I think gives you a legitimate shot to have better play from the interior. You know, Josh Pascal is an edge rusher who can play on the inside. John Kaminsky's an edge rusher who can play on the inside. Ali McNeil is looking faster than ever now that he's dropped. 22 pounds um I, i'm probably missing missing somebody but like with all these guys rising up and then you know isaiah bugs played yeah, much better last yeah. year got resigned but now you got i think good competition for bugs from a guy like broderick martin who's at this point playing much better than i would have expected from you know a guy who was expected to be a day three pick who ended up going on day two who is now in the early days of camp repping with the ones against an all pro center i i think they're really finding out some good things about what this guy has and and what he has is some unteachable stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of a point I made all summer is if you can slide bugs from a 40 snap roll to a 20 snap roll, that's good for everyone. He's a good run stopper. He's a good leader. If you can get more out of Broderick Martin, and if you can slide a a body like that into that Benito Jones role, I mean, you're, you're improving your depth right there. I just keep going back to it. It's like, holy crap, it was Bugs and Benito Jones two and three behind McNeil last year. If you can upgrade those spots and get someone like Bugs as a rotating, it's just so much better. And like you said, all that inside outside versatility, that stuff is real. And that's just been fascinating to watch all those guys just bounce around the defensive line. It's, it's, it's a promising look for a defense that has needed some optimism going into the season, but there's, there's, you see the vision, the vision is real. It's there. Let's flip back to the offense for our our final standout um, of of the five that we've seen here in the early days of camp. Again, there's been maybe better players in camp, but Sam Laporta, uh, the rookie tight end, uh, another rookie, um, has just really flashed in these early days. And I want to take a chance to, to talk about that because you know, clearly they take things as easy as possible on the rookies. You see Jameer Gibbs, for example, he's splitting first team snaps with the with the um, with uh, David Montgomery. Um, see the same thing with Jack Campbell, fellow first first round pick at linebacker. Sam Laporta is taking basically all of the first team reps at, at tight end, and it's not because there's a total, you know, uh, lack of talent at that position. There's some guys back they like, including Brock Wright. He's he's no star, but he's a guy the coaches have always trusted. Mm-hmm. But if you watched. Sam Laporta, the second round tight end, run around those fields during um, rookie minicamp, during uh, mandatory minicamp, OTAs. I mean, you could see it was only a matter of time before he would be the guy at tight end. He 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 does. He reminds me of TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
which it would be a plus for the Lions because Hawkinson was a pretty good player here. Uh, maybe not the level, uh, you know, that they wanted when, when, they, when they took him in the top 10. Um, he was a good player, became a pro bowler in, in, uh, in Minnesota last year. Um, yeah, and the Lions got um, Sam Laporta basically to replace him. Same same school, by the yep. way, too. Yep. <laughs> keep that pipeline flowing. Yep. But Sam has been running really well, catches everything that's thrown at him. Um, you know, there's a lot to be seen with his blocking, and he's not doing it right now. Um, he, he, he missed most of today's practice. But up until that point, Ben, uh, a guy that's been a lot to, to really, really like about him. And obviously, it, it seems like he's training toward it having a big yeah. role in the offense. Yeah, and I think stylistically very important for Jared Goff, Sam Laporta stays on his feet after the catch. He can make someone yeah. miss. He's not going to catch it and go to the ground. He's not going to catch it and run out of bounds. This is an actual tight end with some yak ability, and you're seeing it in training camp. Like you said, he's not dropping anything. He's not dropping anything. It's just you're he's not going to help you too much as a blocker. I mean, that's just not going to happen this year. I just don't see that in him. But his pass-catching ability, his route-running ability, and, and just the wherewithal to catch that ball and to immediately look upfield and to see what you got to do to get more yards. It's, it's there. It's already there. And it's just, yeah, I just love the stylistic fit and I just love the way they're using them. I see a very, very dangerous big slot weapon to throw on the other side of St. Brown and to give teams hack right. over the middle. I mean, he, he he's going to be a problem with the ball in his hands from the get. No, I, no, I think you make, uh, again, great, great points. It's not just about the talent. It's about the stylistic fit within this offense. I think Ben Johnson deserves, like, you know, a, a ribbon or something for <laughs> the work that he did last year after the Hawkinson trade to schematically cover for the trade. It's, you know, the, the scoring went up like three, four points a game. Mm-hmm. Their conversion rate on third down went up like six, seven points. And it's not because Hawkinson was some like anchor on the on the offense. It, it no. wasn't that at all. Their their approach just changed after the trade. They they leaned more heavily, even more heavily on St. Brown and some other things. And that said a lot about the talent they had across the offense, the 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 mind they had at, at offensive coordinator. You know, I think Brad Holmes um you know, deserves a lot of credit for pulling the trigger on that trade, getting something in return, not having to pay Hawkinson, getting Sam Laporta on the cheap to replace him. I mean, like that whole that whole thing played out really well. Um, but yeah, like they were able to compensate for the trade well last year. Um, but you're so much better in this game with better talent at tight end than what they had down the stretch. You know, it's not that like Brock Wright and Shane yeah. Zilstra and a rookie James Mitchell was like killing it. And I mean, the tight ends yeah. even set the, the team record for most touchdown catches in a season. But again, it was it was schematics. It wasn't necessarily talent. And having this year in Sam Laporte a better talent at that position, a guy who can run, create separation, go up the seam, and do it in an offense where you already have Amon Ross St. Brown like just destroying folks in the seam. And you already have the speed of Jamison Williams and the, and the speed and the size of a Josh Reynolds, yeah. the speed of a Khalif Raymond, like the the like they have Marvin Jones in the in the fold now. You have all that speed in the backfield and Jameer Gibbs. I mean, like Jameer Gibbs and James, Jameson Williams on the same field is a scary thought. Then you put the a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown in the field. Then you put a guy like Laporta, who again, like I don't think he's super flashy. It's just that he runs very good routes. Yeah. He's very long. He catches everything. You have someone like that that a quarterback can rely on for the easy stuff in the short in the short field. Convert third downs. I mean, I think that having a guy like Laporta, he might not have the biggest numbers on the team, but I think he really helps the offense um, 
you know, convert those those kind of got to have it situations and we'll keep those possessions going and we'll be a weapon in the in the red zone and we'll ultimately make this team a, a much better offense. No, and it, I mean it just makes I mean you got something to work with. This this lets you use Brock Wright in a role that's better suited for Brock Wright too, and that makes mm-hmm. That makes this that room better. That makes this room deeper. That gives you already know what Brock Wright can do. You've schemed up stuff for him. He's a very willing blocker. There's I, I like the direction this offense. I just the stylistic fits across the board. I mean, like you said, you're going to have Gibbs, Montgomery, St. Brown, Laporta out there at the same time in the red zone with Marvin Jones, who is just a. It doesn't matter if he's not as fast or as he's going to have the separation he had back in the day. That's a sure-handed go-to guy in red zone situation. And it's just they're built to score points, man. They are built to score points, and they've got a wonderkind office some coordinator running mm-hmm. the show, man. We've uh, been talking about sunshine and rainbows for a while now. Um, there's no training camp that's that's perfect, Ben. What concerns have unfolded for you in the in the first days of camp? I think uh, offensive tackle depth could be a problem if an injury happens there. I uh, I'm not trying to single out Matt Nelson or any of those guys, but. I mean, Dan Campbell basically did that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, right. he, was, he was crazy honest when he was asked this week about the back of offensive line if, it had, if anyone had stood out. And he's like, basically, no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I did forget that. So the, the offensive tackle depth does concern me. Uh, I, you know, you, you pray that nothing happens to those guys. But, like, if something did, then it's like they have some, you know, grandma's great depth for the interior. But on the outside, it's uh, it's Panay. And it's Taylor or bust right now. I mean, it's Obina Ize and uh, Matt Nelson right now. And it's not it's not looking NFL week one ready if needed. Like if something were to happen as it has, what, three years in a row to an offensive lineman, an injury? Offensive lineman, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were pretty healthy, although they were pretty healthy at offensive tackle. That's uh, true. Yeah. Last year. I mean, I, th- I think there's a lot of teams that could say that, uh, right. you know, like backup offensive line is an issue across the league these days. Um yeah, I mean Taylor and and uh, Taylor Decker and Penesul are so good. So yeah, you're gonna have a drop off if one of those guys get hurt. Um, for me, the bigger concern is Jamison Williams. I was letting you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Again, veteran move, mid-season form. Um, no, I mean he's like five minutes old. Like his his career yeah. just started. He's played like six games. I'm not trying to say. He's a bust, right? That he's trending toward bust. I, I want everyone to understand that right out of the gate. Like, I'm not saying anything detrimental to the long-term future of Jamison Williams. I'm just going to state the facts, which are he has played only six games. He's only been targeted with nine footballs. He only caught one of those footballs. He had more drops, three, than catches last year as a rookie. Uh, drops were something that we also saw from him on the practice field. Um, he because of the long return from the ACL needs as much time on the practice field as possible. And now he has even less of it because of the gambling suspension. He's going to miss the first six games of this year. He can't even be in the building to practice for the first three, three weeks of that suspension that ramps up the importance of every practice rep that he can get in training camp. And then on the second day of training camp, he suffers a leg injury that knocks him out for, I don't know, five, six days, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not good. He got out there for his first day of padded work on Monday, just you know, just earlier today, Ben. And it was a rough practice. And it's not that it was all bad. He caught a touchdown pass. He basically created separation with everything that he did because he's so freaking fast. I mean, yeah. you it's breathtaking. I, like sometimes I just watch him run. Like uh, earlier this week when he was not practicing and everyone else was practicing and he was running on the side with a trainer, 
I was watching him run. <laughs> he's, he's that crazy. Like it, it's a superpower. Like I've never seen someone that fast in Honolulu blue. Um, but there's more to this game. Uh, there's more to playing receiver than running really fast. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot to learn on those fronts. Um, I think his releases have gotten a lot better. I think he still needs some more consistency in his route running. I think that they would be honest about that, 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 that he also uh, needs that work. Uh, I think the big thing is, is drops. It's still yeah. drops. He drops a lot of footballs. He dropped two against air to start practice today. He dropped another during one-on-ones in the red zone. He dropped another in the end zone later on during teamwork. Yeah. That's four drops in one practice. That's it's no matter who you are, if you're a rookie guy at the end of the roster, that's not good. If you're Jamison Williams, 12th overall pick, um, it's especially not good. And, you know, he just needs work and and it'll come, it'll be better. And I it, it I mean, if you remember Jamar Chase's rookie year, like there were reports yeah. out of that camp about drops, and he is now a giant in the game. So no one is sitting here. I am not sitting here saying there's anything long-term to be concerned about with Jamison Williams. I, I And I say that because I think that's people's natural reaction. Yeah. I, I see that sometimes as a reporter when I just say, oh, Jamison Williams dropped. And I get this like hate mail. Like, how could you say that? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, he's just a kid. Like, you know, he's coming back from injury, whatever. Like, I understand all that. I'm the one that's watching this guy's career unfold every single day. I'm just saying as a guy who, you know, covers this team and knows how this game works a little bit, that Jamison Williams is ultra talented. Um, that's why they traded up for him. He's got superpowers. Uh, he also has many things to work on in this game still. And missing three more weeks of practice open the season and the first six games of the year. It just he's just it, it's just creating a situation where he really needs to get his act together soon. And when he gets on the field to maximize everything they can do. And right now he doesn't look like a guy who's ready to do that. He needs more practice time. No. And, and I think there is a pretty hypersensitivity around the Jamison Williams conversation right now, because there were some bad faith actors popping into lions media out here and making yeah. inappropriate, just outlandish uh, comparisons that should have never even been published. And I don't know how they made it to the light of air. But uh, uh, but everything you said is true. Like there are, uh, yeah, disgusting uh, on field problems. I mean, the drops against air are just like you're watching them and you're just like, how did you I don't understand. I, I and I, it's unfair to compare him to Amon Ross St. Brown, but it's just like you watch those two guys and it's just I, I just don't understand some of the drops. But then you say it right there. The releases. He he absolutely toasted oh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson yeah. today. He put I mean, him in a turnstile. Yeah. He, put, he put C.J. in a turnstile. Was... A very good practice from Gardner-Johnson, and Gardner-Johnson looked like a UDFA on that play. Exactly, and that is the power of Jamison Williams. You see it, and you're like, holy crap. I just saw it right there. I see why they traded up. I see why so many people are ready to defend this guy, why they still believe in this guy. But, like, yeah, they're, you, they're red flags. I mean, little red flags, little red flags. The missing six games, being away from the team for three weeks, that is not how you want to start year two. I mean, you basically burned the first year and a half of that rookie contract, and it's just like you just need them on the field. You need reps. I mean, I can't wait to see them in joint practices because that's going to be, like, the most real football we've ever seen them play lord willing just so uh, yeah i'm with you you said it perfectly right there and i'll yeah it's just jamo it's just a weird weird conversation you want to be fair to him because like you said he's just st- still so new to this but it's like man yeah it was a bad day today there were bright moments there's 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 shining lights through the bad stuff but there is still those inconsistencies that you're like all right man come on like it's time to put this stuff behind you it's it's time to move forward you want to see that next step because he does have 
top of the line potential. And right now it is just potential. He also, we haven't got into him like scrapping with several Ooh, yeah, defensive yeah. backs, including <laughs> when he got beat. Uh, well, actually, I mean, he he initially beat, um, who was it? Starling Thomas V, mm-hmm. um, the UDFA safety um, on the route. And then basically tripped or something on his feet. I don't know what it was. He lost his footing somehow and could not, couldn't come up with the ball. I don't know if you count that as a drop or not. Um, but the bottom line is that it's a one-on-one where he was going to the ground and couldn't catch the football, which is not what you want from your first-round receiver. And then gets up and is jawing with the UDFA safety. And then basically, like, he definitely didn't punch him, but, like, he definitely, like, swatted at him, slapped him, whatever the word is you want to use, right in the helmet. Um which which led to a little bit of a, a brouhaha. But, uh, you know, I, and I, I don't think that's like a bad thing necessarily. You know, even Dan Campbell has been like he's a vocal proponent of like training camp fights. Yeah. Like it just takes people, <laughs> takes players to a different level when they're seeing red and they want to get better. Uh, you know, like Dan Campbell's a former player. He knows how this this stuff works. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not like Jamison Williams, like mixing it up is a is a necessarily a bad thing. But you want to see what you want to see is a guy under control and a guy who takes those moments of frustration and turns them into fuel and makes plays. And he made a couple, he didn't make as many as you would like. And I think that's where the concern is. Yeah. And the most troubling thing about the, I like seeing the intensity too, especially from him. But the problem I had was you couldn't even get through the next rep. You know, they try to do it again and it's more John and more going at it. And it's like, all right, you've been through, like they let you cycle through the rotation to get that out of your system and get back to football. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, we talked to Jameis Williams after practice. Maybe we can listen in on some of that here as we head to the break. And um, we'll be back, I don't know, later this week, next week, with more uh, insights from Lions training camp. They got So when are the joint practices? They're next week, right? Or are they in two weeks? Yeah, I think it's in that like seven, eight, nine range. So yeah, in yeah. about a week and a half till the yeah, Lions right. come to town. So, yeah, the you know training camp is ramping up. We'll be here. And I'm live every, every day. Yep. Uh, <laughs> podcast will be back uh, later in the week. Um, so with that, here's Jamison Williams from Lions Training Camp. Is there a sense of urgency with, with, with you knowing you know, that you've got to get enough work in with this next month that you've got to get uh, your stuff in? I would say that because I feel like I get work every day. Um, I'm getting the same work as the whole team. I get to practice with the team. I get to work out with the team. I get to do everything with the team. So I wouldn't say it's a sense of urgency. Uh, me and Golf, we've been doing our thing. Uh, the whole offense, we've been getting timing, running plays well doing a lot of things well, so everything been going good. I wouldn't say it's a sense of urgency, though. I'm proud of being out here, uh, getting a chance to put my cleats on, show the pads, heal me, catch footballs, run, block, just play football. I'm just happy to be out here. Last year, I was standing on the sideline, shirt, no cleats, no jersey, name. It's just exciting to be out here. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.